This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Cool. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Biz Pod. Today, we have two amazing guests lined up, entrepreneurs in the music and sports sports space. So, Today we have Joe and Adam. They are the co-founders of Medium Rare. They are focused at the intersection of sports and music, partnering with global icons like Shaquille O'Neal, Rob Gronkowski, and Carnage. So they build their live event brands, and they recently were just named on the Forbes 30 Under 30 music list, and really great lineup of entrepreneurs that you guys have been able to put on these events and associate with, but how are you guys doing? Good. Excited to be here. Really appreciate you having us on. Absolutely. So, yeah, so how's, how's better to chat? Absolutely. So how's, how's everything been just, you know, COVID world? I know you guys are in the live events, but how's just everything been just, you know, generally speaking? Yeah. You know, it's, it being live event producers has definitely been extremely difficult and we've seen a lot of our colleagues and vendors and, and companies we work with um, are sort of really lost. And I, and I think we were lost for about a month too, when this all started and, um, we were actually in the middle of planning a Gronk Beach at uh, NFL Draft in Las Vegas. Um, or we're going to do that at the win. And um, I remember when we got the phone call that, you know, we were, we were pretty far ahead on it. And the win was like, yeah, I think uh, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, it seems like this COVID thing. And, you know, we we actually thought they were crazy at first. We're like, come on, the NFL Draft <laughs> is like 45, 50 days away. Like. Um, we should keep going forward. And we were, we were still yeah, pushing. This was late, late February, late February at the time. So no one knew what COVID was. Yeah. So right when COVID was starting to really brew up and then obviously the shutdown in, in mid-March, and we still thought the wind was crazy then, to be honest. Um, but we were really, we were really hard to work on that. And then, you know, the world sort of stopped. And um, I think it took us about a month to, to say, hey, look, we're, we could just sit on the sidelines and do nothing which a lot of the live entertainment business has done, or we can be really creative and innovative. And, um, you know, in, in late April, we came up with the idea for Shaq's Funhouse first Gronk Beach and bringing it virtual. And, um, you know, that, that started off, it was going to be a little Zoom call um, with, a, with a couple sponsors. And next thing you know, we're uh, building a studio in Orlando and uh, had about 20 cameras and, uh, nine different sponsors and you know that, that event was really successful and had about nine million live viewers um and that really opened our eyes to we can do a lot more than just being uh, a live entertainment company and we're really shifting and morphing into doing these virtual events and we're hard at work on a, on a couple more right now um and I, and I think it's a blessing in disguise to be honest I, I think it was really lucky we would have never gone down this route and this, this is here to stay. Like these virtual events aren't going anywhere, even when things come back to 100% normal. Um, you know, these are new TV shows. That's, that's all it is. And it's not a, a stream. It's not an Instagram Live. 
this is a TV show is the way we're looking at it. And, and that's what we're building. And I guess we're, we're pretty ex excited. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's amazing. I watched the, uh, the Shaq for strong. It's very entertaining. It's probably more outside the box type of online events, but how, can you talk about like the concept, how do you guys like you know, conceptualize that and then actually execute it? Like talk about that kind of process. Um, cause there's a lot of, a lot of brands you had to please a lot of you know, personalities, but kind of, can you walk through that kind of process? Yeah. You know, during COVID, obviously there were so many different live streams popping up from Instagram lives to last minute concerts put together. And everyone was really just broadcasting from home in their living room in sweatpants and the, the quality of the production was pretty low. So Adam and I really put our heads together on how can we do something that really stands out and is different from everything else out there. And, First and foremost, that's at the intersection of sports and music. So there have been a lot of these live streams that were music only. So by really taking two huge IPs and putting them against each other or actually teaming up rather in the, in the production with, uh, with Shaq and Gronk and, you know, came up with this wacky idea to put them head to head in these unique challenges. So we inflatable jousting. We had a sports obstacle course. We had a horse competition where Shaq actually ended up ripping the rim off the hoop and that went viral. And, you know, we paired that with musical performances. So we had the baby on who's probably the, uh, the hottest rapper of the summer. We had Snoop Dogg perform. We had Diplo, we had Steve Aoki and really created a whole new show format, um, you know, alternating between these challenges and these musical performances. And it made for a really fun and kind of engaging show format. And, worked really closely with a lot of social media platforms to amplify it and partnered with TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and it was a free global broadcast available to anyone online and working with these partners helped attract over uh, 9 million views. So was uh, was our first kind of uh, foray into the streaming space and was a lot of fun. And like Adam says, opening up uh, a lot of new ideas for the future. Yeah, that's amazing. It was for charity as well, right? So uh, what was the yeah, kind of charities was, involved? Yeah, so Team Shaq uh, represented the Boys and Girls Club, and Team Gronk rent, uh, represented the NAACP. Um, and then we also had a great partnership with DoorDash, who for every view up to the first 1.5 million views the stream did, uh, they would donate a meal to Feeding America. Um, so we raised a few hundred thousand dollars between the two charities and then donated uh 1.5 million meals to feeding america so really unbelievable initiative and you know it, it was a really crazy time when we were producing this it was obviously uh you know mid-june so your covid was super prevalent um and then it was right when the social unrest and the protest and uh all that was sorting the spike up um and it was it was really challenging to produce it during that period and you know, that the charity element was really what, what got us through that this event was for so much good that we had to make it happen, um, that we were going to be, you know, raising hundreds of thousand dollars and donating, you know, a million and a half meals. And that sort of was the power to, to get through all, all those obstacles, to be honest. Yeah, you know, we, we called it a party with a purpose because, you know, some people had questions is it the right time for a party right obviously we're, we're in the middle of covid people are on the streets and there, there's social unrest but by you know bringing everybody together and just uniting 
um, fans around the world, uh, for that matter. Um, it was just a really fun night. Yeah, and, it was a, the uh, idea was really to get people with... an escape. It was to get away from watching CNN and seeing how crazy the world was at that moment and really give people a, a four-hour escape to sit in front of their computer or TV and and watch something that was really awesome for, for a good cause. Like Joe said, a party with a purpose. Yeah. And I think the other unique thing to mention is, you know, Shaq and Gronk, these are our partners on the event, right? We don't pay them to, to appear, um, but we actually went and formed, we formed JVs with each of them individually in the past. We kind of went, came together and we're three-way partners on this event. And that's how we really approach all of our live event or content properties at Medium Rare is going out and actually forming these JVs. So our partners have great incentive and usually they're the ones that are equally as excited to help, uh, help these crazy ideas come to life. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. I really want to hear more about like kind of where you guys see as the future of these live events, but like kind of going backwards a little bit. Um, how did you guys meet originally? How did you guys get involved into music and kind of form these like high powered relationships with, you know, Shaq and Gronk and some of these other influential characters, but could you kind of go backwards a little bit and talk about, you know, how you guys initially met and how you guys kind of got started into kind of what you are, are now? Yeah, absolutely. Just sure. some, uh, yeah. Joe, you want to take it? Sure, I'll start it off. Um, you know, I think Adam and I both had a background when we were actually in college as uh, music or festival promoters. And that was really at a time when um, the quote unquote EDM bubble and festivals were new and very exciting. Right now, uh, everyone's mom's already been to Coachella twice and it's not a, the newest, trendiest thing anymore, perhaps. Um, but we were really kind of coming up during that time. And Adam and I were both, um, I think, maybe employee number five and employee number six at the time at SFX Entertainment, um, which was started by Robert Sillerman, um, you know, founder of Live Nation. And his goal with that company was to round up, um, you know, as many different promoters um, in the electronic music festival space as possible um, to really create a synergistic uh, business opportunity. So, um, you know, I think at the time, Adam and I were both thrilled um, to be working for a company. I didn't really like when they hired Joe. I'm not going to lie. When Joe first came in, I was, I was not a big fan. <laughs> it, took, it, took a, it took a few months for me to warm up. Um, but, yeah. you know, it, 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 Hence it why Adam was employee out. four and I was, I think, number five. So um, <laughs> luckily, luckily, after uh, a few uh, long weeks building Tomorrow World uh, down in Chattahoochee Hills, living in a farmhouse together, uh, we managed to somehow forge a friendship, and that was in 2000 and... Uh, that was 2014. Was that? First tomorrow, the 2014, 2013? 2013, yeah. It was 20, yeah, it was, it was September 2013. And, you know, that experience of, you know, we went from being quote-unquote college promoters, you know, it was doing shows for 3,000, 4,000 people, um, you know, they were unbelievable Tiesto and Avicii and huge artists, but at the end of the day, they were college shows and then sort of being thrown into the fire to produce this, uh, you know, Tomorrow World had like a $50 million budget and was for 150,000 people and obviously was the sister festival of Tomorrowland, which most people would argue is the, you know, mo most people would probably say it's the best festival in the world. Um, and they have a very, and for those that may not be familiar, it's basically like the, the Coachella of Europe and sells out, uh, 300,000 tickets in two minutes annually. Yeah. It's really insane what the, what they do there. And this was their, you know, their foray into America and Joe and I were leading the charge 
um, right? So to go from producing college shows for 3,000 people and maybe a budget of $200,000 to now doing a $50 million show uh, just a few months later, it was a learning experience and it, it was really incredible. And I think really uh, that set us up to what we're doing today in a, in a huge way. That was our college education, yeah. um, was the yeah. years at SFX and, and all that we learned there. Yeah, but that, yeah. Uh, that's how you and learn, back right? To, yeah, yeah. What, so without I was going to say, you know, we, yeah, we, we really um, had a, a huge opportunity there to get involved and get our hands dirty at a young age and really help shape kind of also our entrepreneurial spirit, um, seeing how involved we were in so many different aspects of the, uh, the festival. And I guess uh, good segue to note, that's also where we first met Shaquille O'Neal, uh, our good friend and business partner. He um, actually came to the second edition of the festival and I was, um, you know, marketing and talent director at the time. And I get a call uh, from the front gate that Shaquille O'Neal um, is at the front gate in a pickup truck. And I, I thought it must have been a joke. I mean, while it's a popular festival, it's still, uh, you know, EDM electronic style festival in the middle of nowhere and uh, drive over to the front gate and Shaquille's nowhere to be found. And I said, security, what happened? And they said they let him through. And um, driving around in a golf cart looking for Shaq, and I see him. Pretty hard to find the seven foot one uh, guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, see a massive F one fifty Ford pickup truck with a Superman grill on it parked behind the the main stage in a pyro zone, and uh, obviously it's, it's Shaquille. And I start yelling at him that he needs to to move his car because we have an active festival going on. I think Fiesto <laughs> was was DJing at the time, and he was in a pyro zone, and then. Uh, he thought I was yelling at him because he didn't have a ticket. I think he like took his wallet out and was trying to say he'll buy a ticket. And uh, <laughs> I told him, no problem. I'll, I'll show him around. And um, with that, it was the first time he'd ever been to a festival or really a kind of oversized concert. And he fell in love with festival culture. He fell in love with dance music. And that's what really launched the DJ Diesel project. And uh, to make a, a, a long story a little bit shorter, um, you know, he basically worked with Adam and I over the next year to launch DJ Diesel. We booked him at the festival. Um, it was a huge success and got a ton of media coverage. And from there, um, DJ Diesel was born and he's played hundreds of shows from Lollapalooza to Electric Zoo to Tomorrowland and everything in between. He's really established himself as an amazing touring DJ and has worked with us to build his festival brand with Shaq's Funhouse. And it's really incredible what, uh, yeah what an entity DJ Diesel has became. I don't, I don't think uh, Joe and I, you know, and our, we, we kind of had a hesitation. We've said, man, people are going to be like the celebrity DJ. Um, we're kind of having Paris Hilton flashbacks and, you know, really sat down with Shaquille and said, look, if you want to do this for real, we're going to have to really grind it out. You don't just get to play uh, Lollapalooza overnight um, or get a residency at the win. You're going to have to go put in the work and, and, you know, build up. This is your rookie year, we kept saying to him. And we went and played slot, you know, opening slots and playing real authentic festivals. Like there's a festival called Lost Lands, which uh, is really uh, for the kids and for the, for the dance music scene. But, uh, you know, m most major, you know, someone like Shaq wouldn't be playing there normally. And he went and played there at four in the afternoon and, and put the work in to build himself to show the world that he wasn't a celebrity DJ. And, and like Joe was saying, DJ Diesel's really uh, taken on uh, quite the profile and become quite the entity, um, which we're really excited about. But to segue from that, 
you know, from working with Shaquille, we were really brainstorming on how, what else can we do? What, what would be a, one, a great way to, to build DJ Diesel up even quicker and better and, and faster um, and also create another business model. And, and that's where Shaq's Funhouse came, came to be. Um, we did it, the first one at Miami Music Week, which surrounds Ultra Music Festival um, in Miami. And we did that in 2018. Um, and it was a really crazy idea. It was, let's do something late at night. There was a, the Diddy White Party um, at Miami Music Week, which was really, really famous for years. And we said, that party started at like three or four in the morning. Um, and we're like, all right, let's start Shaq's Funhouse at like three or four in the morning. And, and Diddy does Saturday night and Shaq's Funhouse would do Friday night. And really didn't have the vision of it being a business just yet. Just wanted to it's, produce it's something. Sure that, we, didn't, we didn't have any vision of a business. We just wanted to throw a really cool party and have Shaq DJ at, at Ultra Music Week. That's the truth. That, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, didn't have a vision incredible. of what it could become. And the whole idea was that it was invite only. People didn't need to buy tickets. You couldn't buy your way in. The only way that this party happened is if enough sponsors, uh, you know, got involved. And we, you know, we really, uh, we've never worked on an event like that, right? We're used to selling a ton of tickets and that's number one. And then tables and uh, VIP and all that. And here we had none of that. It was, you know, how are we going to make money doing this or even not even make money, but cover our costs. And we said, all right, we're just going to go out to all these brands and uh, they'll want to get involved. And um, you know, realized quickly, it was quite interesting. You know, we were used to calling uh, sponsors and being like, Hey, do you want to do tomorrow uh, world? Do you want to do electric zoo? Do you want to do this EDM festival? And sponsors would barely talk to us, even though those festivals are doing 150, 200,000 people, but they're just in that much interest when it comes to, uh, an EDM festival. It just doesn't resonate with these brands or any festival and, for that. Or, yeah. Or really any festival to be honest. And then we call them in those same exact brands and say, Hey, we're doing something with Shaquille O'Neal and they pick our call up right away. And, and, you know, it was really interesting to see that. And, you know, that, that luckily we were able to get enough brands to, you know, to cover the expenses on, on this event. And the event just became one, it was, it was amazing. And people thought it was one of the coolest parties they've ever been to, but what really, well, and, took and just talking through that, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say what really took it to another stratosphere was Gronk showed up. Um, we had a lot of celebrities in attendance. It was that type of event. And, you know, Gronk walks in at like four in the morning and, you know, instantly he's up on stage and next thing you know, him and Shaq are having a dance off. Um, and we knew that it was epic at the moment. We didn't realize how epic it was until the next morning. And it was good morning, America. ESPN, CNN, uh, the cover page, it was the cover page of ESPN all Saturday day. The party was Friday night. <laughs> and we're like, holy crap, this is like, you know, our, our little party just became world news and one of the most viral moments uh, of the year. Um, and we're like, wow, now this is, this is for real. And I think within a week, we realized that the Shaq's Funhouse brand was actually a business and actually a brand. And we started working on Super Bowl um, and we did our first Super Bowl about, you know, uh, I don't know, 10 months later uh, in Atlanta. And that, you know, we've, we've been off to the races since then with the brand. And, uh, you know, that then led to us signing Gronk and doing Gronk Beach with him. And 
it all happened at four in the morning when Gronk walked in at a Miami Music Week party and he looked at us and said, one day I'm going to retire and, uh, you, you know, you got to build one of these for me. <laughs> and, you know, it, the rest is history from there. But it, it's, um, you know, really given us the, the Shaq's Funhouse sort of experiment taught us a whole, it really showed us a whole new path to the business. We come from the major concert and festival world and you got to do a hundred thousand people to make money. And, and it's a really difficult uh, model and it, it's, it's hard to stand out. It's hard, you know, there's been a million festivals that have tried to pop up over the last 10 years. And I'd say most of them, 99% of them have failed. Um, and really we found this unique way of producing an event or a festival and really putting uh, someone like a Shaquille or, or Gronk in the, in the front and center. And it's really changed the business model and it's really completely flipped it on its head, uh, which we're, we're beyond excited about. And that's what our business is built on now, um, right? We've, we've medium rare is built on what we did with Shaq and Shaq's Funhouse. And now we're out, right? We signed Gronk. Uh, we have another one that we're working on right now with Damon John from Shark Tank, uh, which we can't share too much on yet, but we just uh, came to a deal with him in the last few weeks um, and are producing something really cool with him. And then we're working on Sports Illustrated, uh, the Sports Person of the Year Awards, um, which is a really prestigious award. And we're going to be partnering with Sports Illustrated to now uh, really modernize and produce uh, SI awards in a, in a different manner than it's ever been done before. Um, and then we're working with, I, I can't say any names yet, but there's another two celebrities, arguably as big as Shaq and Gronk, uh, that we're close to signing deals with. Um, and we'll be producing either a virtual or live event for them in summer 21, which we're, we're beyond excited about. It's amazing. It seems like you guys are just absolutely crushing it. And it, and it seems like you guys have been able to position it where it's like in the early days, you're kind of fighting to get that like first client, that kind of validation. But now you're kind of picking and choosing who you guys want to work with um, rather than kind of being on the opposite side of it. So like, you know, kudos to you guys for that. Um, kind of moving on to like, you know, that was a great backstory and kind of, you know, funny kind of takeaways as well. But what do you guys see is, you know, the future of live events, obviously it will, will hopefully go back to some sort of normal of live events and you know, hopefully there's Super Bowl and there's all that festivities that you guys kind of have been doing the past few years. But what do you guys, what are some bold predictions? What do you think? Is there going to be like a hybrid of digital and physical events or really what's that kind of bold prediction look for the future? Well, I think, um, you know, this period has showed that live streaming is here to stay and should and will be incorporated into more and more events. You know, I think at Medium Rare, we're, we're really betting on um, the rise of more boutique and luxury events. Um, you know, we focus around marquee entertainment and sporting weekends like Super Bowl, Kentucky Derby, um, and Miami Music Week, and, you know, really where celebrity and media and brands converge. Um, and that's been, you know, our focus as of late, and we've seen great results with that. And, you know, our background comes from producing these mega festivals with extreme scale of 100,000 plus people. But ultimately, um, people are looking now for a more unique experience. And that's what we do with, with Shaq Funhouse, with Gronk Beach, and how we work with these um, celebrities to bring their brand to life, right? And sitting down with Shaquille, 
um, going over what does he want for music program. His favorite restaurant is Shake Shack. So we get Shake Shack tells us uh, he saw Cirque du Soleil in Vegas. It was incredible. And we get Cirque du Soleil to fly out for Shack Funhouse. And, you know, he loves this artist. So he builds a 40 foot Shack head that you walk through to enter the party. And I think it's really the rise of experiential built into these festivals um, that you're not getting at a concert um, where you're really kind of transported into another world um, using set, de- set decor, technology, whatever it may be. Um, and that's really what, what we'll be focused on. And how does tech really play a part of that? Um, is, is every event going to be streamed and create new monetization opportunities? So um, I think it'll, it'll continue to evolve to be um, you know, focused on a little bit more of the intimate and VIP style events, especially given. Yeah, we, uh, we, we felt that time. trend was happening before COVID. And that's, you know, look, Shaq's Funhouse major, makes a major splash in the media. Um, but we only do 5,000 people, which is a relatively small event compared to uh, our, what we consider competition or even what, you know, the media brings to it, right? We're doing billion. I think the only other festival that had as many media impressions as Shaq's Funhouse was Coachella, in 20, which is insane. You can't, it doesn't even make sense when you, every time we hear that, we're like, how, how is that possible? But that's the power of a Shaquille O'Neal-led event and all the celebrities and everyone that comes out to it and being around the Super Bowl. Um, but we really, we, we saw a shift towards these boutique events and that's what we've been betting on for a while is that people don't want to be at a, 100,000 person crowd and waiting in line and it's hot and you can't get an Uber after the event and all that, that, you know, the, the good and the bad of, of a mega festival. And we thought people were, you know, kind of tired of that and, you know, that our audience was over that. And that's why we really went with these boutique events. But now I think, you know, COVID may have sped that up and, you know, look, I think, I think everything's going to rebound, but I think there's going to be, a hesitation of being in an audience of a hundred thousand people sounds a lot nicer only being in a, in a crowd of 3000 uh, than it does, you know, waiting in line and bottled up with, you know, tens of thousands of people next to you. Um, so I think the, uh, the boutique festival movement that was already starting to really rise in the last probably 18 months is gonna, I think fast track whenever live events return. Um, because I think people are going to want to be in that more intimate environment and be with, you know, surrounded just by their friends and not by 10,000 sweaty strangers. Yeah, agreed with that. And, and uh, I would assume that like once live events go back, I'm sure there's still going to be those 100,000 you know, people festivals, but you have to ease back into it, even with like the NFL, they're, you know, allowing 10% occupancy and then they're kind of working their way back. So that kind of fits you know, perfectly well with like this boutique model. So um, totally, that, that's amazing. And um, kind of want to hear you guys like a kind of a crazy story where it's maybe like a, like an Oh shit moment when you guys are putting on one of these, you know, either massive events with hundred thousand people or even with 5,000 people where you guys, you know, it kind of, were presented with some wild card problem either right before last minute. And can you, you know, maybe share one of those examples of like how you guys are able to kind of think you're on your toes and overcome that or some, some type of logistical issue, but um, would love to hear kind of like an Oh shit moment story. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's unfortunately a lot of Oh shit moments in the, uh, <laughs> in, in the event business. Um, and we've definitely had quite a few of them. And, you know, I think what really separates the, the good successful promoters from the sort of bad apples of promoters is how you deal with those oh shit moments. 
Um, you're going to get them. It doesn't matter how perfectly planned the event is. Uh, there's so much out of your control that you just need to know how to deal with those curveballs and uh, experience good promoters know how to deal with them and, and still hit that, hit that curveball out of the park or, uh, you know, a, a sort of a rookie amateur promoter that, you know, doesn't quite know what they're doing usually, uh, you know, strikes out, unfortunately, and we see that too much. But we've been fortunate so far to, to take those curveballs and, and always deal with those shit moment. You know, this year, uh, one that comes top of mind right off the bat is, you know, Gronk Beach uh, Super Bowl. So Shaq's fun out was Friday night. Gronk Beach was Saturday day of Super Bowl weekend. And the rain forecast just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And obviously Gronk Beach is on the beach, outside, uncovered. And we were really playing around. We actually set a plan in motion to move Gronk Beach to where Shaq's Funhouse was indoors. Mm-hmm. And we're really far down that road talking to the mayor, the police, and we're trying to figure out with our team on how do you take this festival that was already built outside, right? We were building for 10 days, two weeks already, and it's all built. We're talking the, the, the night before in the morning of the event. So the beautiful yeah, city, yeah. fully Starting built Friday afternoon night. and Saturday morning say, how do we move what we've built here on the beach and move it inside to where Shaq's Funhouse was? Um, the next, you know, within Shaq's Funhouse ended at 3 a.m. Gronk Beach started at 1 p.m. So you basically were going to have uh, nine hours, you know, before doors open to move and recreate this entire event. Um, and we went far down that path. And, you know, we, we luckily had a great, uh, we actually had a meteorologist on our team, uh, crazy enough. And that's, you know, where, where we protect ourselves. And he was talking to the storm center in Oklahoma five times a day getting real stats on like what's going to happen, how's wow. this weather going to be. And his last update right before we made that call was like, it looked, it's going to rain, but it's not going to be event threatening um, of a storm. You know, that, this is straight from the storm center. You guys should, you're, you're going to be fine. You're just going to, it's going to rain though, but it's not going to by any means impact your event. And we made the decision to roll with it and, it wound up being the right decision. Um, but that was definitely one of the oh shit moments during Super Bowl. Uh, we have plenty of oh shit, uh, artists not showing up, artists missing their flight. Uh, but we're not going to name names and then air out any dirty laundry there. But we've had our fair share of that. Uh, we've had our fair share of artists that we have to pay in cash, uh, which showing up to a Chase Bank and being like, I need $300,000 in cash is always a fun uh <laughs> fun, fun moment. Um, and scary walking out of the bank with a backpack with uh, <laughs> $300,000 in it. But there's plenty of oh shit. But like I said, it's it's how you deal with them that that separates the uh, the good promoters from the bad ones. Yeah, that's a good story. I, I remember that storm pretty well. Um, actually, the, the night of when the shack. Uh, fun yeah, house Friday was night. Thankfully, the fun house was inside, but it, holy crap, that yeah, night was that was. Wild. Uh, I think it was like a hurricane. My, I was, uh, I was caught. Um, you know, outside, my phone died. I was, you know, standing <laughs> a foot of water, mm. um, bouncing around. But you know, it was still a good night, regardless. Um, but you know, that's a that's a great story of you guys being able to kind of like overcome that. Um, 
you know, what, what would you, um, you know, kind of advice would you give to somebody that's like looking to start a festival or even just kind of breaking into this sports and music um, type of ecosystem? You guys have been able to build a really strong network, but, you know, I guess maybe that would be the last question for you guys. Like what, what would be some tips you would give to somebody um, kind of coming up um, and some advice to kind of breaking into sports, music, entertainment? Um, sure. You know, we've been talking about a lot of fun, exciting vanity projects, but behind the scenes, man, it is a grind. And Adam and I uh, work nonstop and uh, need to continue working to get to where we want to be and grow the business. Um, and I think sometimes that that's really forgotten. Um, and you, you get what you get what you put in. Um, and I think if you're if you're starting out, um, you know, most important thing to do is really put yourself out there. Um, because if you're young or maybe coming switching over from another industry, um, you know, you don't have that right skill set just yet. You need to develop it. You need to take chances. You need to maybe take opportunities that, you know, you're not dying to take or you think are maybe beneath you, but they're not um, if, you're, if you're coming in and you're just getting started. And once you have your foot in the door, um, you've got to work harder than everybody to, to get to where you want to be. You know, I think Adam and I have closed um, a huge amount of deals from cold emails. I got my first job working at SFX Entertainment where I met Adam from a cold email and the power of that is really undeniable, but it's what you do with it um, and how you kind of create that spark or that flywheel and, and follow that momentum, right? You know, when Adam and I met Shaquille O'Neal, it could have just been that. Um, it could have been cool. We were hanging out with him. He came to our festival. It could have been just, okay, we decided to make him a DJ and we're going to tour around with him, but really using each step to progress, not only his business and what he, and his goals are as, as an artist, but also um, how we can use that to, to grow our business um, to help attract other clients. And once you really can latch on to that thing to, to help you grow, um, really understanding how to uh, you know, do that uh, as best as possible. Yeah, and you know, just to add to that, I think Joe and I really took action, you know, in college, starting to do our own events and, you know, really, risking everything we had at the time using our, you know, really blood, sweat and tears and every dollar we had saved uh, to go out and, and do something. And I think people need to take that risk on their own. Sometimes people are, you know, are scared or they, they try to take the more traditional route and say, Oh, I'm going to college for uh, you know, sports business. And they think, you know, you get that degree and then magically it all just happens. Um, you know, I, I'm a real proponent of get out and do it and, and take some risk and you're young and nothing you're going to do is going to hurt harm that bad. You know, you don't have that much to lose. Go for it, try it, be an entrepreneur, be a hustler, um, and, and give it your own, you know, throw everything you got at it rather than, you know, just saying, Oh, I'm going to go get this degree and then I'll apply for a job and I'm, I'm going to be able to do whatever I want because I went to college for, uh, X, you know, for sports business or for music entertainment or whatever it is, it usually doesn't pan out that way. And, you know, I think that was probably, I think what really kickstarted us. We were out doing this on our own, um, in college, we were, like I said, risking everything we had and, uh, working our tail off to, you know, to, to build our own business and, and get where we wanted to be. Um, but I think people just are, are sometimes a little too risk adverse and a little too scared. And I think you gotta, you gotta jump in and just go for it, whatever that is, um, be an entrepreneur, hustle and make it happen. And, and who knows where it will lead. That's awesome. 
great advice from both of you guys. Um, I maybe maybe the final question here would be like, where um, where do you guys see medium rare? Like, where would you like to be in about five years, or is that even too far to forecast? You guys are kind of taking it year by year, week by week. But like, where would you like to be? You know, in five or five or so years? Yeah. So you know, look, we're really focused on continuing to add more partners. Um, you know, to the roster and and building out more and more brands, and, and we're hopeful that you know in five years we have you know we have fifty of them, and you know those are all JVs that are you know uh, partnership deals with, with these uh, you know with these incredible icons and, and celebrity talent, and you know the idea is to to grow that business first and foremost and build these these entertainment brands with them. Um, we're also starting to do a little bit of representation. Obviously we manage, uh, DJ Diesel and DJ Carnage. Um, we're helping Gronk with quite a few endorsement deals. And we think there's obviously quite a bit of synergy, right. Of we're working, you know, in partnership with you to build an event like a Shaq's Funhouse or a Gronk beach. Uh, we get to know you pretty well and we, we, we understand your business and, uh, we understand, you know, uh, we're talking to brands every day, you know, basically on your behalf for these events. Um, why not, you know, make it a more of a year round thing. So we see those, those two sides of the business, uh, you know, is where we're really focusing on the next five years. But with that said, if you asked us just five months ago, we would have never thought we'd be doing a virtual event. And here we are. And, um, I think we're, we're arguably one of the most successful virtual event producers thus far. We, we really, you know, uh, did very well with Shaq vs. Gronk from a viewership and a monetization standpoint. And, and now we're continuing that with the two other events we're working on. So who knows, but we're, we're really excited. And, you know, it's good to note the business is only, uh, you know, it was really started in uh, March of 2018 with Shaq's Funhouse crazy experiment. So it's incredible. You know, we're, we're here, what, uh, about two and a half years later. And uh, I don't think we ever saw this happening in two and a half years. So, uh, the next five years should, should only be that much more exciting. It's amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. I uh, just want to applaud you guys for the hustle work and kind of going out there and doing it. Uh, not let, not just waiting for things to come to you, you kind of go out there and make it happen. So I applaud you guys for that. For all those listening, um, go check out medium-rare.com. Um, check out Shaq Funhouse, Gronk Beach Party. Hopefully you guys can make one once live events are back. But uh, connect with Joe and Adam on LinkedIn. And, and thank you guys for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. Awesome. We really appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for having us Thanks. on. We Thanks really do appreciate it. Awesome. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.